Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. Let's have a word of prayer today and let's get started. Father, we love you. We thank you that uh, Jesus died for us on that cross and he died for our sins. We ask today that you would just... Speak to our hearts that you would fill me and empower me and use me to speak your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, today we're going to be in John chapter 4, verse 27, and we'll look at at least through about verse 38 today. We'll see how far we get. Um, You remember this book is about the seven key signs, the seven key miracles. And John writes in John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, he said, Many other signs Jesus did, but these, these signs have been written about that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, and believing in Him you might have eternal life. And so the whole reason this book has been written, the book of John, well the whole reason this whole book has been written is that we might believe in Jesus Christ from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, Jesus Christ is spoken about. He's in every page. Uh, you just may have to look a little bit, but Jesus is here. And the whole reason this book was written, this particular book, John, the Gospel of John, is that we might have life. And so uh, John gives us seven signs, and every one of those signs... John uses the, the word Simeon, which means a miracle with a message. He wants us to understand that every time Jesus does a mes- miracle, that it's a message from God saying that, that Jesus is God over time. Jesus is God over space. Jesus is God over uh, distance. He is God over life and death. He is God over all the angels. He's God over nature. He's God over everything. He controls everything, and he can, he can subdue it at any time He wants to. So when we get to chapter 4, verse 27, remember we've been talking about the woman at the well. And Jesus came to this lady, and He started talking to her, and asked her for a drink, and she says, Why are you speaking to me, a, a woman, a Samaritan woman? Because Jews don't have anything to do with Samaritans. And him being a rabbi especially, he wouldn't have anything to do with a woman because back in those days, the Jewish men wouldn't speak to their wives outside of the house, even their children. And so uh, it wasn't considered proper for a religious leader to speak to a woman outside of the house, uh, not even his own family members. And so Jesus talks to her about uh, getting a drink, and then he tells her that he he can give her living water. That uh, he knew that she knew who he was. She'd asked him of a drink, and he'd give her living water. Well, she doesn't understand. She thinks, "Well, I'm a, a woman of ill repute." Uh, she hadn't been spoken to Jesus yet, but in a minute, Jesus will speak to her and say. Go call your husband. She says, I don't have one. He says, I know you've had five husbands and now you're living with a man. And and then she says, I perceive you're a prophet. But she doesn't understand. She just wants to not have to come to the well. 
in the middle of the day when it's hot and lonely and nobody else is there. She wants to not have to do that, so she just says, give me this water. And then Jesus goes on and talks about her sin and starts talking about, she starts talking about where to worship and and Jesus tells her that He's looking for people to worship in spirit and truth from the inside, right? He's looking for people that worship from the heart. God doesn't care about just doing things, going to church, dressing up, looking nice, and doing our little legal legalese things. Our little, you know, well, I went to church today, or I went three times this year, I did God a favor. That's not what God wants. God wants our love. God cares for us. This is a love letter from God. I hope you understand that. That's not this isn't a book that just tells us do this and don't do that. That's really not why it was written. You know, hopefully, if our parents love us and care for us, they discipline us, right? Because discipline shows it that we love people, and and if we love them. You know, if I love somebody in my family or I love my child, I don't let them stick their finger in the light socket, right? I don't let them run out in the middle of the busy highway. And so Jesus starts talking to her about her sin because He knows that sin hurts me, it hurts you, it hurts everybody around us, doesn't it? When we do things that are wrong, it doesn't just hurt us. There is no such thing as doing something that hurts nobody else. I hear people say, well, you know what I'm doing? It's only hurting me. It's not hurting nobody else. Yes, it is. It's hurting the people that love you. It's hurting the people that care for you. It affects your attitude. It affects your actions. So it affects everybody around you. And so Jesus is trying to tell her that He loves her and that He doesn't want her to live that way anymore. And so finally, she understands that... uh, that he's talking about something else. And as he gets to verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who's called to Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And really what Jesus says is, I am. Anybody remember what uh, God said to Moses out in the middle of the desert when uh, he spoke to Moses out of the burning bush? And Moses said, Who shall I say sent me? And he said, Tell them that I am sent you, right? Not that I was, not that I will be, but I am. Because God has always existed and He always will exist. So He's called the I Am, the great I Am. And so basically she says, Tell them I am. He says to her, I who speak to you am He. In other words, I, I am. And that's it. And so at this point, she gets it. She understands He's the Christ. She understands He's the one that they've been looking for, the Messiah who was going to deliver people from their sins. And just at this moment, it says in verse 27, His disciples came. Now Jesus planned all this out. Just as He planned to meet this woman at the well at a particular time, He knew she'd be there and He showed up at the exact time. She'd be coming. Guess what? He sent his disciples into town. They went to get some food. And they show up just at the exact time that he speaks to her and says that I'm Yahweh. I'm the Messiah. I'm the 
great I Am, the one who's come to deliver people from their sins. And He does this deliberately. See, God is in not only control of, of circumstances, but He's in control of the timing of things too because sh- they show up at the exact time that He wants them to show up. He's not having a hurried conversation trying to get through everything and get to that certain point and just say it when they show up. Now, you say, why am I making such a big deal out of that? Well, this is the first time He's really told anybody that, that He's the Messiah. He hasn't even told His disciples as of yet. He could have told them. We don't know. It doesn't say that He told them. But He tells this woman, this Samaritan woman, and what Jesus is doing is He's breaking down all barriers between all people, between men and women and, and black and white and all the different colors He's breaking down all the barriers between Jews and Samaritans, between all the peoples of the world. And that's what He's trying to do. You know, it it amazes me that this great man Nicodemus comes to Jesus and goes away without knowing about salvation because he doesn't understand. But Jesus picks this lowly woman who has a terrible reputation and goes to her And she comes away knowing Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And so at this point, the disciples show up. And they marvel that He taught with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? They're probably afraid to say anything. They don't know what to say. They're probably thinking, why is Jesus speaking to this woman? Because this is not right. This is... This is beneath His dignity. He shouldn't be doing this. But nobody says anything. And so the woman then left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to Him. So the woman, she leaves her water pot. If you remember in chapter 2, I don't know if y'all were here when I talked about that section. But Jesus took the empty water pots that the Pharisees used, they filled them up with water, and they would uh, wash all the time. And, and they used them as part of their legalistic religious rituals. And they said by much washing comes much money. And by washing they thought that they were getting closer to God. But that didn't do a thing. The only way you get close to God is through Jesus Christ and living for Him. And here, there they had these empty water pots. And I believe those empty water pots spoke of their empty religion. Because all they were doing is going through the motions, trying to do things. And guess what? That doesn't get you any closer to God. She leaves her empty water pot because guess what? Now she has the living water. She has the living water from Jesus Christ. Plus, she probably leaves it because what was the question that Jesus asked her? Give me a drink, right? And so she leaves it so they can have a drink. She forgets about her empty water pot and she goes to see Jesus. That goes, excuse me, goes into the city and notice what it says. And she said to the men, remember this woman? None of the women want anything to do with her. Because she has a terrible reputation. 
So what does she do? She goes to the men. Because the men know all about her. And he, she says, come see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Now imagine this, this woman is telling these men, hey, this guy told me all that I ever did. And I'm sure they knew quite a bit about what she did because some of them were involved in what she did because she did a lot of wrong things. And so she kind of throws out this thing here. She says, could this be the Christ? Now back in that day, women didn't tell men anything. And what she did was she used a question in the form of a, a sentence that came out like this. Could this be the Christ? And the inferred answer is no. So what she's doing is she's kind of uh, getting her curiosity up. Because if she'd have said, this is the Christ, the men would have probably said, you've lost your mind. This, this, God, this God from heaven came down and He spoke to you with your reputation and who you are? You've got to be kidding. So she says, could this be the Christ in such a way that it sounded like she says, nah, there really, really couldn't be the Christ, could it? And so they get their curiosity up and it says they went out of the city and they came to Him. And then it says, in the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Now here they are in the midst of all this stuff, and, and Jesus is talking to them about uh, him being the Messiah of the world, the Savior of the world, and what do his disciples do? They want to eat. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I mean, here he is delivering this great message to this woman about who he really is. Now remember, they've already got the living water in their life because they've been saved and and so they've had their spiritual hunger filled but now they're worried about their uh, physical hunger and so I don't know exactly why they're worried about Jesus and they say Rabbi eat but he says to them I have food to eat which you do not know therefore the disciples said to one another has anyone brought him anything to eat and then Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. What Jesus said here was there's things more important than food. Did you know that? That, that what Jesus said is it's more important for me to do God's will and to finish His work than it is for me to eat. You know, you might ask yourself, and I might ask myself, what are we willing to give up for God? You know, Jesus said, if anybody wants to follow me, they must take up their cross daily, deny themselves and follow me, right? What Jesus said was we need to give up things in this world that we might follow Him so we can get all of the things He has for us in the next world. You know, Jesus said uh, that if we give up houses and land and family and all those things that He would give us a hundredfold in the kingdom. He said if we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then He'd add all the things to us that we need. He said that, that you know if, if we uh, humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He will exalt us at the proper time. See, in this world, we're trying to get all the things from people. We're trying to look good, sound good, act good, 
and, and fit in with the crowd and be who everybody wants us to be. But Jesus never did that. He didn't care what people think about Him. As long as He's doing what He's supposed to do, it doesn't matter who we are, right? See, the problem with the world today is everybody wants everybody else to like them. But you know what? It's just not going to happen. I don't care how popular you are. I don't care how good looking you are. I don't care how rich you are. I don't care how powerful you are. Not everybody will still like you. And so the bottom line is, is God wants us to follow Him and give up things for Him. But if we give them up, he, He will replace them with better things than the things we give up. And so Jesus says, I have food of which you do not know. What's He talking about? He's got spiritual food. Because when He does the will of God, you know what happens? It, it makes him satisfied. It makes him fulfilled. And I'm telling you, I, I don't know about y'all, but I know in my life that doing the will of God is what really is enjoyable. You know, Jesus said He come that we might have life and life abundant and we have joy and we have peace. And if you want those things, you can follow Jesus, but you also need to obey Him and, and do His will. And when you do then it's amazing. It will satisfy you. It will make you uh, enjoy life. As one one guy that I know told me, he, he got locked up like 32 times and uh, had lots of problems with drugs and alcohol. And he said, if I would have known that I could get this high off of Jesus, I'd have quit doing drugs a long time ago. Because see, Jesus, when you follow Him and do the things that He wants you to do, the enjoyment out of life is so much better than doing drugs or alcohol or being accepted and having money and all those other things. But but it's hard to understand sometimes. And other people might not like you, but, but as long as you're doing what God wants you to do, then you will be satisfied on the inside. And so Jesus says, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me. What is the will of Him who sent Him? Jesus said that none would be lost. That all, all that He would send people out and people would be saved. Right? Isn't that what John 3.16 says? says? That's right. That was the whole reason Jesus came, right? Amen. He came that we might have life, right? And so He gave His Son that we might have life. And so um, the will of God is to tell others about Jesus Christ. The will of God is to follow Him, to be obedient to Him. And He wants all of us to be involved in that. I, I can tell you that, that I don't know what's gone wrong in your gone on in your lives and what's happened and and anything else. I, I really don't need to know, uh, you know. But the bottom line is, is I can tell you, if you trust Christ, that life will be so much better. 
because when Christ comes into your life, then all those longings and things that you're looking for will go away because they really don't satisfy. And so Jesus says in verse 35, Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. What Jesus is saying, He sees these people coming, and in the desert, they're wearing white robes, white clothes, because white reflects heat, right? And so what they're doing is they're coming over the fields. It's probably about December, and the harvest over there is around April, mid-April. And what's happening is these people are walking over the top walking towards them a bunch of people and all they can see is the white of the clothes above the green uh, wheat fields and it looks like the when the wheat gets ripe that it, it, it turns white on top. And so it looks like the wheat's already ripe and what Jesus is saying is here comes the harvest of people who want to know about me. And he, he knows that because guess what? He knows all men. He knows what's in our heart. And He loves us anyway. Isn't that amazing? And He says, And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, I sent you to reap for that, reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered in their labors. And so what he says is the person that reaps gets paid, right? And the one that gathers fruit for eternal life, those that, that, that sow uh, the Word of God and people get saved, that, that both he who sows and that he who reaps may rejoice together. Because see, sometimes God might use me. Sometimes He might use you. He might use something that we say to talk to somebody else about the Lord. And I might talk to them and then you might go back to your room and you might say something to them and then all of a sudden they say, I want to trust Christ. I want to know about this Jesus. And, and so everybody can be involved. See, from the smallest person to the greatest person, God wants to use us all. He can even use little children. Because I've heard little children playing in the sandbox. Talking to them, telling one child, telling the other child about Jesus. Tell them they need to be saved. And, and that God can use us. And He wants to use us. Let me tell you, the greatest satisfaction in life, the greatest joy in life, comes from following Jesus and from doing the things that He wants you to do. Because I'm telling you what, you can have all the money in the world, you can have all the power, you can have all the other stuff, and it still doesn't satisfy. I can tell you that. I, I'm not rich, but I'm not hurting. But I can tell you what, there's a lot of folks out there that have been rich, and they're still not satisfied. They've done all the drugs they wanted, they still weren't satisfied. They had all the cars and houses they wanted. They still weren't satisfied. They were head of corporations. They still weren't satisfied. You say, well, I'd like to try. Well, you can try it, but I can tell you, when you get to the top, as one man said, you'll find that you climbed the ladder of success and find it was leaning against the wrong wall. 
Because when you get to the top, you know what you find? Usually to climb that ladder and get to there, you've left everything behind that supported. Family and friends and loved ones. And you lose them all trying to do the things that are not pleasing to God. And so Jesus says that both people, the one that sows and the one that reaps, get to rejoice together. He says, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. What happened? Jesus spoke to this woman. This woman went to Samaria and told all all the men about it. And guess what? Now the disciples get to enter into the the harvest of all these people, this whole town of Sychar is coming to Jesus and they're coming to know Him as Lord and Savior. And it says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in Him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things that I ever did. They knew there was something different about this man. Remember this woman, what kind of reputation she got? A terrible reputation. And now guess what? She's not worried about going back to town and telling everybody. Used to be she'd, you know, kind of go down the street and wouldn't look at anybody and would hide and not be around anybody. Now she's running around telling everybody about Jesus and what He did for her. Because guess what? Jesus has forgiven everything that she's done. He has forgiven it all. Not that there still may be a consequence to what she's done, but in the eyes of God, she's been forgiven. And so the women, the the people believe the Word. And you'll notice in this book, if you read through this book, in the next section of Scripture, Jesus is going to talk to a man. He says, you people want signs. You won't believe unless you see signs. And over and over and over again, people are looking for signs. They're looking for something to satisfy them. They're looking for a cosmic genie. You rub the bottle, He feeds you. You rub the bottle, He heals you. Rub the bottle, He does whatever for you. But that's not the God of the Bible. He wants us to believe His Word. And because of the Word of the woman about Jesus, they believed. And He says, verse 40, So when the Samaritans had come to to come to Him... They urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of what? His own word. So they believe because of his word. So what they're believing is the word of God, right? Isn't that what God wants us to do? He said it, and I believe it. That's called faith. Taking God at his word. Hebrews 11.6 says it's impossible to please God without faith. Verse 42, then they said to the woman, Now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard Him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. He's not only the Savior of that city, but He's the Savior of the world. And He wants to be your Savior. He wants to be your friend. We sing a song called, What a Friend of Jesus We have all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Then it says, Oh, what needless sorrow. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we don't take everything to to God in prayer. 
And so today, Jesus wants to be your Savior. He wants to be your friend. He wants to take all your sins and griefs to bear. He wants you to lay them at His feet and say, God, I can't handle this anymore. God, I'm sick and tired of this stuff that's going on in my life. The way I've been living, the way things are going, the way I've been treated, I can't handle it. And He will give you the strength, the power, the ability to handle it because Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so the choice is yours, folks. You can keep living the way you're living and keep getting all the pain and the sorrow and the hurt and end up down the road in a worse place than you're at. When we get to the next section of Scripture, Jesus is going to talk to a man and He's going to heal him. And He's going to say, See that you go and sin no more, lest a worse thing happen to you. So you think you're in bad shape now, but if you keep going down the road you've been going down, Guess what's going to happen? Possibly something worse. But if you trust Jesus, I'm not saying that something worse won't happen, but at least you'll have somebody to depend on. At least you'll have somebody that's there for you. And you'll be able to handle whatever comes your way because of Christ. If you're willing to let Him bear it for you. Because the Bible talks about the house that was built on the rock. And when the rains came and the storms came and the troubles came, the house was still standing because that rock is Jesus. But when the house that was built on the sand, built on all the junk of this world, when the storms came and the rains came, guess what happened? It got washed away. And that's what happens if we're not trusting in Jesus. You go read about Psalms chapter 60 to about... 76, 78, over and over and over again, it talks about Jesus being our rock, our fortress, our high tower, our strength. He's our trouble. He's our, he's our friend in troubled times. He, he is the one that's there for us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. If you want a friend like that today, all you need to do is ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to save you. Ask Him to come into your life and change you. Because that's why He died on that cross. You know, we try to fix ourselves. But we always seem to go back to doing the same old things we used to do. But when you, tr you trust Jesus, He makes you a new creation. And He changes you from the inside out. See, what we try to do is we try to put band-aids on the little cut on the outside when we're bleeding to death on the inside. That doesn't fix the problem. The problem is, is we need a Savior. We need a friend who's Jesus, who died for us, who loves us, who cares for us more than anybody you could ever imagine cares for you. And He died for you. That's how much He loves you. He loves you that much that He hung on that cross, right? So let's pray. Father, we love You. I want to pray for each and every one of these folks here today, these young folks. I just pray for them and ask, Lord, that You would work in their lives. Lord, I know many of them have 
been through some tough stuff. Lord, I can't even imagine. I have no idea. Some of them have been mistreated. Some of them have mistreated other folks. And some of them have mistreated themselves, trying to do things to themselves because of circumstances in life. But Lord, You loved them so much that You died for them. And that You want them to have joy and peace and abundant life. So Lord, I pray that if there's even one today that doesn't know You today, that they would cry out and ask You to come into their life to forgive them, to save them, to change them, and to make them a new creation. And just take You at Your Word that You said it, and they believe it. That You would because You died for them. And if You died for them, You surely will do the lesser thing to love them and care for them and be there for them when, you, when they need You. So Father, I pray that You would do that today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Some are locked up in bodies that don't work and in the nursing home facility, in the wheelchair, the bed they cannot get out of. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems or their parents. They aren't doing right and their cries, we want to have a real family. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up in the jail and the prison, to those locked up in addictions, to drugs, alcohol, depression and suicidal thoughts and a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us life and to set us free and these folks are not free but we can set them free through Christ Jesus at least in their minds and their spirits. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia and surrounding Effingham and Chatham. We do about 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you'll support us in some way so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the donate now button. And we hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you.